0: Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome back to So Good So Far Podcast. I'm Jackie. I'm Nicole. Today we are discussing mental health with a special guest. First, what's been going on in your life? Oh, um, not much since we just recorded on Monday. Was
1: the last time we gave an
2: update? It's not true.
1: Wait. Wait, what? Like, not much has been happening. Only the biggest update. I did get a job as long as I passed the background check, which I should. And You said that like you're not sure. I will pass it, but that was like the one thing that it was contingent upon was like if you don't pass the background check, then obviously you wouldn't get the job, but there'd be no yeah. reason. That's my only update since Monday. Do you want to talk about what your job is in? Yeah, it's uh, in residential design, retail, and I'll be like a design consultant that's where we're at.
0: Anyway, what's new with you? Oh, well, I um, I got asked out on a date by one of my reply guys on Twitter. Reply
1: guys? Yeah, do you don't want to reply guys. <laughs> a guy that replies to you? <laughs> Cut this out. <laughs> Perfect.
0: Yeah, it's just like, I guess I post on Twitter enough now where I just have guys who just like reply to almost all of oh they like reply consistently yeah and like like them and Mm, but they don't know you but they don't know me in real life and they usually don't like tweet that much themselves it's more replying that's why they call (laughs) reply they just come on and they just reply to people's tweets yeah yeah and he was he like messaged me on twitter and he was like hey like i'm gonna be in denver for a few days if you want to go out with me what was his name i'm not gonna say his name (laughs) (laughs) i'm like name drop him what's his handle I also got a different person in my mentions a few days before that that was like hey like do you want to marry me oh my god (laughs) I was like no I'm good he's like this is a picture of me and it was just a picture of him with a bucket hat this was a different guy this is a different guy because the other guy sent you a picture of himself too he's like here's what I look like yeah and he was cute so it was fine but like this other guy he was like I'm 23 and I'm just looking for someone to marry and I think you're beautiful And I was like... (laughs) You're
1: 23 and you're looking for someone to marry and you're looking on Twitter?
0: Yeah, and the worst part was that he was a Trump supporter. Oh my God, of course.
1: Oh my God, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) I've said cut that out three times in this intro already.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he was a Trump supporter and he was like, you're just beautiful and... He's like, I just want to marry you and buy a house with you. And I was like, no. He was like, my bucket hat and my wise sense of humor didn't attract you. And I was like, where does the humor come in? You're like where I didn't and no bitch to the bucket where, to. <laughs> bitch. Where
1: <laughs> are you gonna go on the date then with the first guy? Oh, um, or are you gonna marry the second guy? What's what's the vibe here?
0: <laughs> I said no to the second guy and blocked him swiftly, <laughs> <laughs> real quick. I said yes to the reply guy, and I'm, we're supposed to go on a date tomorrow. But I'm like kind of freaking out about coronavirus lately. And he traveled here. And he traveled here from California. Sorry, reply guy. So that. And also, I've been talking to someone else that I've met on Twitter. Fuck. <laughs> I need to get on Twitter and more. It's Hinge isn't where it's at I guess, anymore. No, I've honestly gone on... I've been asked out more on Twitter than I have on Hinge, the dating app this year. That's so crazy. Well, let us
1: know next week. Yeah, if you, go. Well, you know
0: I honestly have been wanting to on dates for the pod. I know. Because... You know, i want to do that no too. date with me it's uneventful either Never. i flip I mean, either. or the guy is creepy and it's a funny story either way
1: yeah mm-hmm. there's always something weird i have the wildest stories yeah we'll have to do an episode where we just talk about like wild, wild dating stories. stories yeah for sure we're gonna wrap up this intro because <laughs> <laughs> not much has happened since monday when we did our last intro so we are gonna come back with our guest And we're so excited to talk with her. So we'll be back in just a couple minutes with that. Or seconds. A couple seconds. Literally no time at all because
2: (laughs) just
0: listen to this catchy
1: (laughs) jingle and we'll be back. We've got a little music in between for you guys. Okay. (laughs) Okay, we are back with our guest. She is a writer, a researcher, and an advocate. Please welcome to the podcast, Zoe Asambra.
2: Hello, thank you so much for having
1: me on. Yeah, thanks for being here. Do you want to just tell us a little introduction, like a little bit about yourself, where you're from, how old you are, and like what you do?
2: Sure. My name is Zoe Asambra. I am 23 years old. I, like you said, I am a writer, researcher, and advocate based in Denver, Colorado. I am pursuing my PhD in social influence and cognitive science, and I'm really interested in social identity and the nature of consciousness. I also serve on the board of directors of Hide in Plain Sight, which is a nonprofit that helps send homeless and impoverished youth to college. And recently, this summer, I received an Emmy nomination for my mental health what? public service I did not announcement. Know that. So <laughs> I'm like, I think I knew you. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, thank you very much. And that was with Colorado Crisis Services. So okay. Oh I yes, mentioned. I
0: remember watching that video. Yeah. So is the it's Hide in Plain Sight? That's what it's called. Is that just in Colorado?
2: Yes, that's just in Colorado right now. Um, we have raised almost a million dollars to send wow. uh, two hundred students to college. Wow, so. that's so crazy! Is it a specific college? It's anywhere that they choose to go to. So Even outside of Colorado. Yes. Oh my god! Yeah, we have multiple people uh, attend University of Alabama, University of Hawaii, University of Montana. So wow. they're that's all over, so and we're hoping to uh, go national. Yeah.
1: Soon, so. Yeah. Wow. That would be so
2: cool. Cause you were like one of the
1: first people that like they helped. Is that right? And then you joined.
2: Yes. So I was the very first recipient. Okay. Um, yes.
1: Recipient. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was the very first recipient of um, the Hide and Plain Sight scholarship, and since then I really helped the organization build and grow. And how the director found out about me um, and my story was through my teachers and social workers, and also uh, through a YouTube video that I made when I was a teenager that ended up going viral. The reason why I ended up making that YouTube video is because I suffered a family tragedy when I was a teenager. Um, My parents moved to Colorado from New Mexico when I was really young, and I grew up middle class and basically really never had anything to worry about but that changed really rapidly. When I was 14, I witnessed my mother's murder at the hands of my father who later killed himself. My sister and I were forced into the foster care system and the media spewed news stories one after the other. This resulted in extreme bullying and harassment throughout my community towards me, which made it extremely hard to get through high school. I mean, I was a freshman when all of this happened. So I ended up dropping out of high school, and I moved 13 different times in foster care. I faced homelessness, and I was separated from my sister. And I, I attempted suicide. I really believed that there was nothing left for me in life, and I couldn't find any, any hope to live for. But somehow I, I was given a second chance, and I decided to take it. Through, through Hide in Plain Sight and through the people in my community, through therapy and a lot of reflection, I've been able to create a life that I never would have imagined for myself. Like I said, I've, I've raised nearly a million dollars for over 200 other students to make this possible for them. Mm-hmm. I graduated from MSU Denver, summa cum laude, with a degree in psychological sciences. And I later went on to study philosophy at the University of Cambridge. Um, Now I am currently working on a project with PBS and continue to give speeches about my journey. And I really just want to talk about my story, not to bring attention to me, but to open up the conversation of how we got here and how I can just use my experiences to empower others.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You have one of the most powerful stories i've ever heard yeah it's even more powerful in person because i've watched one of the youtube videos that you've put out that kind of explained the story yeah it's very powerful and then what you turned around and have done with it is even more powerful
2: thank you yeah yeah and when i started like my youtube channel now I look back at it and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I was like everything, yeah. yeah, but the reason why I started that video or made that video to begin with is just because I wanted to give my perspective on my story. Cause I felt mm-hmm. like the news just really took off with it. And I kept seeing my story being used as a way to get views. And yeah, it's like, it,
0: since it was like such a unique tragedy, I feel like not only did you have to deal with the tragedy, but you had to deal with, like, this second tragedy of what the news spun it as and what it made people think of you. And it's, like, that layer, that extra layer seems like it was extra hard to go through. Because mm-hmm. it was so,
1: like, wide, widespread, yeah. like, across the nation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was pretty um, widely reported on. Yeah. It
0: really sucks that you can't, you didn't have, like, the, the control of your story. Did it feel like you didn't have control over... healing process at all when you were going through it or like you didn't understand what to make of it because of the way the story was getting out
2: yeah absolutely um yeah i felt like i didn't have control over my own life because Mm -hmm. my life was being told for me even though i was there and i knew what happened and the stories are never going to capture exactly the pain and hurt and trauma. But I wanted to reclaim my story as a way to reclaim myself because what happened to me does not define me at all. What defines me are my choices that I've made in reaction to them. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's what I—that's what I stand for today.
1: Yeah, wow, that's really great. And just like seeing how far you've come. Like I know you're friends with my sister Paige in high school, and ever since then, I feel like I've known you a little bit better and. It's just been really amazing to like see everything that you've done and like how much you've really been able to help people through this and to show people that there is another option. So many avenues of success and happiness and just like feeling fulfilled again after something that feels like it really drained you and like emptied you, especially at such a young
2: age. Yeah, my my life experiences have forced me to ask, really tough questions and to become friends with uncertainty and to push the intellectual and philosophical boundaries because I I did. I, w- I was left with so many why or how questions and grappling with human existence at such a young age that I couldn't run away from that. I There was only one choice for me and that was to face it with courage
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I hope that I can inspire others to do so as well because there is no there's no problem that is too big to figure out
0: so thank you i'm guessing that you probably had some help along the way do you feel like who like was there a person or like was hide and plain sight the organization that helped you do you think the most with that because when it comes to mental health i feel like asking for help is a huge step into feeling like you can get your life back under your own control uh, who kind of did that for you?
2: Well, I wouldn't say there is one person, though when you ask me that question, the first person that comes into my head is my younger sister, and, you know, she's always inspiring me. You know, it's, it's weird to have someone younger than you inspire you and motivate you so much. But I, I think that I have been very fortunate to go to therapy and have that offered to me emdr therapy l- changed my life so much it it gave me my life back what,
0: what does emdr stand for
2: I, eye movement I, I, rapid desensitization or something like yeah, that yeah um it's Just a special kind of therapy um that helps connect your traumatic memories to a more logical uh, and rational approach. So basically, when someone has gone through trauma or is stuck in a state of anxiety, they're trapped in their emotional brain. And when you're trapped there, you you can't get out. You feel completely helpless. But with EMDR, what it does is connect those emotional parts of your brain to the rational side of your brain, so you can look at the traumatic memories kind of like a third-person point of view. Mm-hmm which desensitizes you to the hurt and pain and and nervousness that the memory springs up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And that's like a way to treat like PTSD. Yes. I see. Yes.
2: Yeah. So I suffer from what is clinically known as severe PTSD and it will likely last with me throughout my entire life. But like I said, EMDR therapy has given me every single part of my life back. But... When I say things like, I have PTSD, it completely takes me out of my social landscape and puts the responsibility on me and my brain to get better. But when you think about what PTSD really is, it's, it was that I was reliving my mother's murder every single day. And that's much, much different than other diseases such as like dealing with a broken arm or diabetes. It's existential, it's individual, and it's what it means to be human. Mm-hmm.
0: And it doesn't heal, like a broken arm will heal without really doing much to it. You can just put in a cast and leave it alone. Whereas like PTSD is something you have to constantly work on in order for it to heal.
2: Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah right. And one of the reasons why I am so passionate about mental health and mental health advocacy it's not because I struggle with mental illness and many people that I love also struggle with mental illness, but I think the phenomenon opens the door for questions to, as to why we are experiencing mental illness on the scale that we are. Mm-hmm. For example, the United States has the highest rates of mental illness in the entire world. of young people in the U.S. report being overwhelmed by depression and anxiety. It's almost like it's abnormal to be normal, Mm -hmm, to, like, be Mm -hmm. mentally healthy. You are a weirdo. Yeah. And so I, I bring it back to, you know, if an entire society kept getting stomach poisoning, would we just keep taking Pepto or are we going to ask what the fuck is in our food? Right. And that's that's what i am I am really passionate about, yeah, because like,
1: what is the underlying cause of all of this? Like it's not so much about, oh, we'll just like keep handing out antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds and not saying that those things don't work because, like, obviously sometimes you need something to help, but like, what's at the root of this mass diagnosis?
2: So our brains are designed to operate as members of a group. That's the only reason why we are alive today. Because we can rely on our friends and our families and our neighbors for our wants and our needs and everything, everything in life. Um, we develop deep and long-lasting relationships with other people. And even when we're alone, we're a part of a group. When you are alone and you're listening to music, you're connecting with another person. When you are watching a movie, you are connecting with another person. However, the way that we conceptualize mental illness in our society is completely incompatible with this understanding of our humanity. Because the standard way that we think of mental health today is through a biological disease approach. We think of it like a cancer or a bad flu. But this structure mainly arose out of a long history of stigmatization because you can't argue with the existence of mental illness if you say it's natural, if you say it's in our brains. However, every single diagnosable mental illness involves two aspects. One, trouble creating satisfying relationships. And two, difficulty regulating arousal and emotion or both Mm -hmm. trying to find some single reason or cure to these issues will always end up futile because mental illness doesn't start nor does it end with the individual in other words we're treating the flower without treating the root mental illness is different than physical illness and how it directly changes our interactions with other people and our experiences with ourselves fixing it with a drug or a, a therapeutic treatment even emdr is a distraction from how our problems interfere with our functioning as members of community and i argue that this is a product of our socioeconomic system capitalism forces us to be in competition with one another to live to work and and to work for basic necessities it's not even like you're working for self-actualization or right. better relationships with other you're working so you can fucking pay rent right so you yeah. can literally be alive yes
1: like yeah. all the time i'm like being alive is so expensive and it's like why no, right mean, it is like
0: the cost of having a baby is like ridiculous so like, insane over, like, 30, even just 000. the
1: cost of supporting just yourself without a family without any yeah. dependence is so crazy just, like,
0: being alive expensive right not but, worth it
2: Right. But it doesn't, have to, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. And it, this is not the natural order. And in fact, this order is making us sick. It's making us all sick.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because capitalism completely destroys our full capacity to love and understand each other. Because when we are barely surviving to put food on the table or um, to just have time to spend with friends, not have to worry about work,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it, it's destroying how we relate to one another. And also, we think of our value as human beings, as something that's associated with how much money we have, or what the clothes we wear, or the car we drive, or the job title that we have. But that's not really your worth. That's just what capitalism tells you that your worth is. Right,
0: right, Like.
1: Me, I'm like the idea of a dream job. Have you seen that tweet that's like, yeah. Dream job, bitch, I don't have, I don't dream of a job or something I don't like that. dream of labor. Yeah, yeah like that's exactly. not.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so, do you think that stigmatization is kind of capitalism's way of making us not think about the effects that it has on us? Like, people being like, I don't want to think about what capitalism is doing to me because that would mean that we have to change.
2: So, I think that in recent. Years, stigmatization, especially with things like depression and anxiety, has lessened uh, yeah. a lot. Um yeah, I mean, now that we're we're talking about it, we're opening up the conversation. However, at the same time, there's a 400% increase in suicide. So, uh, Wait, is
0: that is that like yearly, like every year? It's four thousand four hundred.
2: Sorry, there's been a 400% increase since 2000. Okay. Oh. So. Even though it seems like we're we're talking about these issues more, um, doesn't really seem like there's been a solution.
0: Right. Yeah. We're talking about them more, but I mean it's not getting better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's not
0: talking about it isn't the solution.
1: Yeah. It's, it's like it's exactly. a start to be like, okay, this is something normal that happens to a lot of people. Like even for me, I know like destigmatizing um, having an anxiety disorder when I was like in college, I started to realize like, oh, that's what it's called. It's something that's real. There doesn't have to be... I can tell people about it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's something that a lot of people struggle with. That helps, but it doesn't make it go away, obviously. Right. And it doesn't get to, like you're saying, the root of
0: the problem. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it feels like since 2000, there's definitely been destigmatization because I remember when I was in school, like ADHD, I mean, that's a more of a neurological disorder, but still like that was very stigmatized to the point where I didn't even know that I had it because... People just didn't think that it would appear the way that it did in girls. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until two years ago where I got diagnosed, and now I feel like they're diagnosing kids much earlier, and they understand a lot more about it. So I feel like in the past twenty years we've come really far, but like, what is the next step?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like not getting. It's not decreasing, like you said, the rate of suicide, which is like ultimately what we're trying to prevent. Like, of course, you want to give people a better quality of life, but like, there are truly still people who obviously, there's still such a high rate of people who that's just not enough, you know, it's not getting to the root of their problem and really figuring out what it is that's causing this illness.
2: Yeah. And what does it say about our world that mm-hmm. there are so many people that don't want to live in it? Right. Yeah. And I, I just I can't put that responsibility on the individual yeah. because no, yeah. when you when you get to a point where where pain is that intense, it, it's not because of individual weakness at all. It's it's because of of a deeply deeply broken society that we we uh, together as a collective have the responsibility to fix because the fact that all of us are sick or know someone who is sick there, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And putting on the,
0: the individual who's suffering is never going to be like, I want to change the world. That's way too overwhelming. They're going to be right. like, I'm, I'm just going to take myself out of it instead mm-hmm. of changing everything else in it.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Capitalism also results in massive income inequality, with the vast majority of which we've seen since the 1970s uh, with neoliberal reforms. But income inequality in particular changes the way that we view ourselves and our purpose in life so in society like you were talking about we see rich people as massively important and poor people as basically scum like Mm -hmm. we we see people like elon musk as the smartest best people on the planet but we don't give a fuck when we see the homeless encampments across Mm -hmm. the street yeah and even worse we're blamed and we blame other people for their class position even though they oftentimes have no control over that Mm -hmm. but because, of, because we do this, that makes us worried about where we fit into the hierarchy. That makes us worried about how we present ourselves to others, and we are never going to be good enough, which is perfect because capitalism is an ingenious system. All the treatments are marketed back to us. We're not good enough. Well, here's this product that's going to make you good enough.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You Instead of asking why uh, most Americans will experience depression in their lives. We give them a pill for $50 that makes sex horrible. And mm-hmm. yeah, like, really. yeah, so. Why are you saying that later on? <laughs> you no, know, I'm just saying that is like a huge
1: side effect of any um,
0: drug that's like, yeah, medication Asex that's terrible. Yeah. affecting your mind. Yeah, it's like your that's libido is I, so low. That's why I stopped taking Adderall. I was like. I just feel like a sex robot. Yeah. you're like <laughs> that's
1: all you wanted to do. no, yeah, no. it's decreasing. <laughs> uh huh,
2: uh huh. And like, I don't know. Think about one of the only well, not not only good things, but one of the best things about the human condition are things like <laughs> sex and love and joy, and and then they give you a pill that takes those all away from you. Right, yeah. Yeah. and it's
0: like, but at least you don't have that sadness.
1: I know, I and it's like, okay, at what cost? It's like, a, right? Yeah, it maybe it levels you out, but like, what else does yeah, it do? Yeah, like running. And I think running is probably <laughs> a better option. Same,
0: but um, if you're healthy, but at what cost? We have to run.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm not trying to bash on pharmaceutical drugs well. Actually, yes. yes I 100 I like, percent Actually. I am, I'm, I'm bashing on, on Yeah, I'm bashing on pharmaceutical companies for doing this to us. Sure. because they do help so many people mm. just ha- keep their head over water, but th- that's not the cure and it's not it's not helping people mm-hmm. yeah
0: people cannabis
2: that's <laughs> oh <yeah>. weed <laughs> that's the answer weed is always, <laughs> the, always the answer, answer. Want to i'm start? like <laughs> uh, yeah why don't we just smoke we're on, okay, be right okay. Back. Uh, yeah in the name of mental health we're going to smoke a fat bowl. yeah <laughs> you guys have edibles or no Okay.
0: <laughs> see
2: you guys after acid okay <laughs> There's not one uh like a one size fits all approach to mental health and I'm not trying to say that I know better than anybody because I really really don't and I, I still struggle every single day but I will say that being a human means knowing that we're not going to be someday and like knowing that we're gonna die mm-hmm. um
0: I'm like great <laughs> uh, I'm bringing a real down no, please, please. hold on <laughs>
2: But you know, because we have consciousness, we know that this experience is going to end. To be or not to be is not something that we ask ourselves when we contemplate suicide, but something that we ask ourselves in every single moment. Because being you, who you are is one of the most difficult tasks that that we are asked to do. But true existence is non-conformity. It's standing out. It's the ultimate rebellion. The feelings associated with mental illness are not merely a sign of Imbalanced chemicals in the brain, but they are states that arise when we are faced with our own existences. Nietzsche said that a man's task is simple. He should cease letting existence become a thoughtless accident. I think we all have to learn what it means to be human again, which means radically changing our systems and our structures. It's simply impossible to have hope for something that already exists. So we can let our natural human despair and anxiety and uncertainty motivate us to build a better world that actually values human existence mm-hmm. instead of forcing all, all us to human compete. human
0: existence, not just rich human right. existence.
2: Yes, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. not just rich, rich human existence, but even the most horrible parts of human existence because mm. those are what make the best parts of life what they are. As individuals, we all have different personalities, different capabilities, and sources of strength. But by placing the responsibility on the individual over the collective, we're really alienating ourselves from solutions. Mm -hmm. I think that we need a paradigm shift so we can view one another as human beings and create a world that prioritizes connections over profit. Of, yeah, a hundred percent.
0: Yeah,
1: around the time of the election, which just happened, people—so many people—were saying, "What about taxes? What about my money?" And I'm like, "If that's your number one concern, congratulations." Because some people are concerned about their well-being, their equality in this country. Like, there's just so many things. Like you said, why are we prioritizing wealth over human connection, over humanity, over the human experience? That's so bizarre to me. And everyone wants to be like, oh, that's so like hippy dippy. Like you just want to like have everyone love each other. And I'm like, yes, yes, this is the. <laughs> I human. do. You think that wealth is more important than your human experience? Everyone always says these things like money can't buy happiness. This, this, and this. And I'm like, that's how you live your life, though. You live your life like money's the most important thing to you. Like if you get a raise on your taxes, your life is over. I'm like, if you're making enough money to
0: get your a raise on your taxes, you're doing fucking fine. Well, the only reason that money can buy happiness in America is because money can buy food and shelter you know right. like if, it's like if mm-hmm. that was just given to basic us already needs. yeah then money wouldn't be able to buy happiness it would just be like i mean our baseline would probably be happy mm-hmm. i mean there'd obviously be some mental illness but overall i think not having to worry about those basic needs
1: or yeah not, yeah like not feeling like your entry-level job can't support those needs yeah. every job should obviously like, this is something that's talked about a lot, but every job should make a living wage. Yeah. That's yes. the bottom line. And, like, that's, like... Or you should
0: have universal basic income. Right.
1: Like, that's the bare minimum is a living wage. And we
0: don't even have that.
2: Yeah, it's like, we of need course. To have, we need
0: to have something where it's, like, people don't have to worry about if they're going to have enough to eat, if they're going to have a roof over their head.
2: We need security to, to deal with any mental health issue. That's... It's so ridiculous. I, I, I talk a lot about um, how trauma is structural as well. Um, I think about if I immediately went into a foster home and was adopted right off the bat, I could have dealt with the trauma of losing my parents very quickly after. But the fact that I spent four years as a ward of the state not having any home to go to, that massively impacted how I dealt Mm -hmm. with the trauma that I, I faced. And... I have, I'm like one of the luckiest people ever to come out of it.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And so, yeah, we have to think about it in that way too. How is, how is someone supposed to deal with their mental health issue if they're sleeping on the street? Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly. You're not think. that's not, that's the last thing on your mind. All you're trying to figure out is where you're going to sleep, what you're going to eat. You are just trying to survive, survive day to day. I think it was, you tweeted something or maybe you retweeted something that was saying like, you basically, there's no like past or future when you are homeless or experiencing homelessness there's not like you're not thinking about your future you're not thinking about, it's just that moment it's right. like you're just trying to figure out yeah. how to survive in that moment and that's it mm-hmm. that's it's there's weird too, you don't plan you don't there's not any of that you're just trying to survive the day mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. it's
0: weird because it's like then you see all these like influencers on instagram who are like i'm just trying to be present and figure out how to be present and not worry about the past or future but it's like you, about- you should be so lucky to like be planning for your future or something yes. some people really don't have that even even people living
1: in poverty it doesn't have to be complete homelessness it could be a lot of things that you don't really get the pleasure of thinking about your future and planning for your future because you're just trying to get through the day right
2: and um it definitely <coughs> doesn't have to be as a uh, extreme as homelessness at all i mean 50% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. How, how are you supposed to self-actualize when you are worried about your kids next mm-hmm. week? Right. Yeah. This is how these mental health issues are societal, structural, and not separated from one another.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not like just the individual. It's what we're living in. Yes. The structures that we're living in, the society that we're living in, that, that like you just said, prioritizes wealth over human connection
2: and nobody is spared from it right nobody we we all are worried about where we fit in in, into the hierarchy what's going to go next and how we can be better and better than other people and
0: so it seems like because you went through all that all that and went through the foster care system you came out thinking about these issues and you've obviously done a lot of work with philosophy and stuff like that. So for you these issues that are very close to you you're you have a lot of education on them and you've thought a lot about them. Mm-hmm. What about people who are like stuck in the system still, who are homeless, going through foster care, who are who are dealing like with working paycheck to paycheck and then also maybe people who on the other side are just so well off that they don't think about these things at all and they don't come across these issues and they don't hear People like you and people who are homeless, they don't hear those voices, Mm -hmm. so they don't understand the issues. Mm -hmm. How do you bring all of that together to change, like, a community? Because all those people are involved in a community, but there's only a few people that seem like they know where we should be headed to uh, have a more compassionate community.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I think the very first step is to talk about it Mm -hmm. and not just talk about it like, oh, it's okay to have depression, it's yeah. okay to feel sad sometimes, because I fucking hate that shit. Honestly, yeah. yeah, I can't do with it. I wanna, f- I want to have a solution-oriented uh, critique, and that's what I'm, I'm striving for, because I, what I see around me are people who are also scared and sad and anxious, uncertain about their future, and feel like they don't have a purpose in their life. And I felt that way too. And that's part of the human condition. And the only way that we can resist the forces that are driving us apart is to try to connect in any way that we can and yeah it starts with actually talking
1: about it yeah just like trying to connect with other people I think obviously so much we just like go through life and we don't talk to anybody like we don't talk to anybody about the hard things and we also just like don't like I don't I don't know anyone that like lives in my building like I don't know anyone that lives here and it's just so crazy that we are so disconnected to as a society exactly like and it's just getting worse and worse like we did our um episode about social media and like how you feel like you're connected but it's like you're not I'm not connected to any of those people even if they're people that I'm an acquaintance with and you feel like oh maybe I'm connected with them it's like not really not realistically it's you see what they post you see the highlights and then that's it so everyone feels like they're not doing enough everyone feels like they're not living their best life everyone feels like they need to get a better job or travel more or do this they're and this. competing right everyone people. is competing because that's what our society is it's just mm-hmm. competition and everyone's like what's oh, good like if there was no competition like what would it be and I'm like oh I don't know people would be happy people wouldn't be I live paycheck to paycheck and I barely ever know how I'm gonna like pay my rent or something and it's just like that's not. That's a huge thing that weighs on me. It's a huge thing that affects my life. People might act like it's not that big of a deal. Like, oh, like you'll figure it out. It's constantly weighing on me.
0: Not, you can't. You can't enjoy those great moments because that's
1: right. I'm like, how much it. money did I spend yeah. on this? Or like, yeah. oh, I don't have a job. Like yeah. when I was unemployed, I was like, I'm just like a worthless part of society. Like, I'm not doing anything. And it's like, so oh, so you have to be a 40-hour-a-week workhorse to be
2: important to society? <laughs> yeah. And I hope that we can build a society where the bum who wants to eat Cheetos all day is important, too. Right. Um, yeah, and maybe I, then
0: they would even feel like they want to give something more, you know? I yeah. mean, Honestly, I just want to sit on the couch and eat Cheetos all day. So. Me, too. You're like, that's God me. damn it. Me. Yeah. You're talking about me, and I, f- I find it personal. Especially
1: <laughs> when it feels like you're not doing enough, or it feels like everyone around you is, like, so productive, so successful. Everyone's, like, doing the hustle, you know, like... The dance. It's... <laughs> no bitch <laughs> everyone's always like i'm on my like grind i'm on my hustle like i'm doing all this stuff and it's like that's great but the problem with it is that that's what makes them feel not only successful like that's not only how success is divine defined that's how worth is defined Yeah,
2: they feel mm-hmm.
0: superior like the more in the ho- like really in the
1: yeah, world but like especially on Instagram. yeah
2: well they don't actually feel that way right and it's they just, just a way it. to to make them feel like oh i'm actually higher than you in the hierarchy mm-hmm. that's not true so I guess there's two things. Talk to your neighbors. Yeah. It, try to connect. Talk to a, a random stranger and ask them their name. You have to resist that desire to compete because it's, it's been ingrained in us. We've, we've mm-hmm. been conditioned that way. And two, ch- like changing your mindset from a scarcity mindset I think we have this idea of like oh that person's happy i guess i could never be happy or i guess this that person got their degree i could never do that mm-hmm. yeah or, uh,
0: like, there's only a certain amount of the pizza pie yes. type of thinking
2: yeah yeah you have to resist that that kind of thinking too because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no scarcity yeah uh, all, of, all of the scarcity that that we uh conceptualize at least in that way is um it's engineered hmm Yeah. It's engineered to keep us on the grind. Yeah, especially
0: when it comes to, like, human compassion. hmm Boundless. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there might be, there may be a limited amount of money. There may be a limited amount of food in America. That number, I mean, it's not infinity, but it's definitely so high that we would never even, like, if money were distributed, if food were distributed, there would be no shortage at all. But mm-hmm. when it comes to compassion, it literally is infinite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I feel like this went in a good direction yeah. of like talking yeah. more about um, the societal effects on mental health rather than yeah. just like attributing it to one thing. Like people do always want to say, what ma- What do you think made you like I have an anxiety and panic disorder and people will be like, what like happened to you? Like what what did you go through in your life? Like made that happen? And I'm like, I don't there doesn't have to be one thing it's attributed to. There's a lot of things. Maybe I went through a couple traumatic things or maybe I didn't. Maybe it, my, I was just born like this or maybe it's gotten worse over the years because of societal pressures or just like there's so many different things that contribute to it and they're like, if we can just figure out like what happened to you in your life to make you like this. It's like it doesn't have to just be that one thing. It could be so many different things contributing to it and like you are saying, what is um, fueling it is the society that we live in in this capitalistic world where everyone's competing with everyone and everyone's just trying to survive. It's like that's not making it better, mm-hmm. that's for sure. It can't just be this one thing fix like oh well we'll just help you with this one thing that is what caused this whole thing it's like there's there's not like you can't pinpoint it individually like you're saying it's like it's a communal thing mm-hmm. clearly
0: yeah. yeah i moved to the east coast like a year ago and i was living with some family like grandparents and then my aunt and uncle while i was looking for a job out there and then i finally got a job moved into dc about two or three weeks before quarantine started and so i was dealing with being isolated quarantine completely alone in a city where I only knew my roommates and a cousin and my coworkers who are all remote now. I mean I was miserable and it got to the point where my mental health was in such a low point that I knew if I didn't change change something something really bad was going to happen. So I moved back to Colorado. Now that I'm just like around all these people that I care about and I'm back in Colorado, a place where I feel really comfortable to approach people and talk to people as I didn't in DC because the way the people appear there is a lot more intimidating and I already have like social anxiety so I was much quieter over there but I feel like in Colorado, there feels like there is more of a sense of community here so I like it here better and immediately my mental health was drastically improved.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, community is a huge part. Yeah, you have huge, to build a, a community in mm-hmm. order to, to have um, good mental health. And that's because the feeling of aloneness and, and loneliness actually affects the same part of our brain as physical pain does. So when we feel alone, we feel isolated. We feel hurt as if someone punched us in the face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that has been um, you know, a big part of the pandemic. We yeah. feel so isolated from when we are feeling physical pain,
0: and physical pain for others too. Because I mm-hmm. know that it ma- it makes my mental health a little bit worse. Thinking about how much worse everyone else else's mental health is, and how alone other people must feel during this time.
2: Well, one one way you can uh, combat that is to connect with people Mm -hmm. and help alleviate their loneliness too how
0: so how do you connect with people like what's your favorite way because there's so many ways to connect with people it's not just like having a conversation on the street there's so many things that you can do i feel like
2: yeah i I mean i really really like talking to people about what they really like Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Um,
2: and it, it makes them feel really comfortable with you and just the way that people's like faces light up when they talk about something that they really like. And mm. it, it makes you really happy too because you feel excited for them. Um, so that's my favorite way to connect with other people. I I really like to hear what. Yeah. Oh,
1: I love that. Oh, that's so nice. What about you, Nicole?
2: Mm, my favorite way to connect with people.
1: My favorite way to connect with people is through hearing about like their life or just like stories about their life It's always so interesting to me and people obviously like love to talk about themselves and I love just hearing about people's lives. It's so interesting to me that everyone you see on the street, everyone driving their car on the interstate, like all these people have these intricate stories just like us. Mm -hmm. And it's just so cool. And just to hear like one of those stories, two of those stories, just to talk to someone and be like, where are you from? Like, and just kind of get them talking about themselves. Everyone's story, no matter who it is, everyone has an interesting story. And I, and I think some people might think like, oh, my story's not that interesting. Like, I don't, I don't have anything to contribute. And if you can connect with them, it's like, I love hearing their story. It makes them feel like their story is important because it is. And just like kind of getting to know someone that way and learning more about them. I think that's like really cool to do. I'm like pretty cool of me to do that, honestly. <laughs> that's the
2: coolest part about <laughs> me. Um, um, so I'm bringing it back to myself. Yeah. <laughs> love that for me. Um, what about you? Yeah, Jack? What about you?
0: I think probably like through humor. I feel like, yeah, I feel like not only making people laugh, but figuring out my favorite thing to do is just figuring out people's type of humor and getting a sense of what exactly makes them laugh and then kind of cultivating my humor around them to make them laugh as much as possible. An infinite amount. (laughs) An infinite amount, yeah. (laughs) Not only is compassion boundless, but so is comedy. Yeah, yeah, oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're gonna end it there. Yeah, we're gonna end it. That was good. <laughs> uh, <no>. yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, I just um, love, I just love like going to the grocery store and just like making an old person laugh. It's like my favorite, oh, my yeah. favorite thing to do. It's like a little banter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, people don't think old people are funny, but old people are the funniest.
2: Yeah, yes, yeah. I mean checks out people don't think old people are funny <laughs> i know I like did you watch like... the presidential <laughs> i'm like they're hilarious yeah, they're so funny to make fun of no, i'm just kidding <laughs> like, mm, love
1: that. um <laughs> so the last question we just had is mm-hmm. do you have any resources for support like within your community or even like online or something that you can recommend for anyone listening to this whether it's in the denver area or even just like something that's more global, like something online or like a hotline or anything like that that you
2: recommend? Well, the, the one thing that I would definitely recommend is Colorado Crisis Services. Um, they have 24-7 text call and email line. They also have 24-7 uh, crisis centers that you can actually go to. Mm-hmm. And what I really like about Colorado Crisis Center is that it totally skirts around the whole criminal justice system if you need some, if your friend is in trouble, if you're worried about your friend, you can call them and they will have a therapist come to your friend's house. So yeah, check out Colorado Crisis Services, even if you're not in crisis and you just need someone to talk to because your boyfriend made you mad or something. Mm -hmm. Check them out for sure.
0: (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for sharing your story and talking about, you know, these bigger issues. And I feel like I learned so much from you. And I always learn a lot from you like online, but it's awesome to be able to yeah
1: learn from you. We in really person. appreciate you coming on This yeah. has been like so great. and really quick, if you want, you can tell people like where they can find you. you can plug like anything cool you have going on.
2: Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a delight to talk to you guys, and I really want to continue this conversation um, with anybody so You can find me at at zoeasombra on Instagram or at www.zoeasombra.com. I would love to hear from anybody. So thank
1: you very much. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. So to wrap up the episode, we're going to play a game. We're going to play Not My Cup of Tea with Zoe, which we played on an episode before. And we will be right back with that.
0: Welcome back. Now we're going to move into a segment called Not My Cup of Tea, where we talk about controversial things and get to know our guest. Um, Nicole, you want to start? Yeah. So basically,
1: we're just going to read weird things that people do. Some of them are like things that people wrote in. Some are ones that we came up with. And then Zoe will tell us if it's her cup of tea or not. Basically, just like if you're like, "Oh yeah, I do that or I don't or I like that or I don't. Okay. So, okay. My first one, which is the weirdest fucking thing ever, but um water in your cereal instead of milk
2: you know i really don't like milk so mm-hmm. like any kind of
0: milk like you wouldn't even put like almond milk, milk okay yeah
2: i'd put i'd put almond milk
0: before water before water would you do water if you had to are you not a cereal person but i do water um because i also wrote down cereal
1: well i have a specific cereal one so you could oh just stay in your own
0: mind <laughs>
2: No wait, what was what was the fucking water, question? It's water <laughs> instead
1: of milk and cereal. Like if you just had no. to like no. Not your cup of tea. No. Because Tanner does that, my friend Tanner Ely, And like we talk about him every episode, you all better know who he is. <laughs> he why did you say his last name? Because <laughs> wow, I have going ex name Tanner too, so it's oh, like okay. a whole. People are always like, "Which one?" And, uh, it's a cold thing. He will have water in his cereal because he doesn't eat dairy, and he's like, "I just have it with water." And when we lived together, he would mm-hmm. always do that, and I was like, "That's so gross. That's just like soggy food," which like so is cereal and milk. And one time I was so hungover, and all I had was cereal, and he was like, "Just put water in it. Like, just do it. Just try it." And I did it. It wasn't that bad. What? It's not like it's not as gross as I thought. Do you it think it was that it depends be. on the cereal? No. Well.
0: No. Uh, if it's like, you know, like no. a chocolate. Oh, you know what, though? Cinnamon Toast Crunch would be terrible in water.
1: You're right. It would be. Ew. <laughs> I can't eat that. It's not good I
2: feel like water is probably the least gross liquid that you could put in. Yeah. Like it's you not put like like, Coca-Cola like or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. Ew. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, man. I just ruined the game. Yeah. <laughs> it's over, guys. Um, anyway, that's it. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Jackie. Oh, christmas <laughs> what do you think of christmas not really much. not yeah, not then. your cup of tea yeah same not the vibe yeah I, okay <laughs> i like eating <laughs> so more of a thanksgiving person i know <laughs> i feel like um like november through december is the eating season yeah, yeah definitely for sure good food season yeah, yeah.
0: Okay,
1: here's another cereal one. I'm just gonna put all the cereal ones together. Okay. Um, Paige came up with this one for me. What are you looking at? <laughs> Keep your eyes on your own paper, bitch. She's,
2: She's like, right, it's which two. ones are they?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this one is ice in your cereal to like make it more to make the milk colder. Oh, I I'm do like, that. Yeah, Paige does that. Paige does
2: that.
0: I, I think that's better.
2: It does make if it. If milk colder. is
0: so cold that you can barely taste it, then it's not
2: good again i don't really like milk
0: yeah you're just not a cereal person cereal you're right
1: no i will eat dry
2: cereal i will just handfuls Mm. just shoving them
0: into my mouth (laughs) okay go ahead oh um sleeping naked
2: and i i feel like that's like a hard depends
0: right okay like
1: post-sex you're like all right sure no
2: i don't (laughs) i don't like to sleep naked post-sex
1: i don't like to sleep naked ever i feel like (laughs) very exposed i'm like ooh, i hate this i just want to put my clothes on
2: when I'm, like, when it's really, really, really hot, then I could sleep naked. Okay. But probably no other time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's I get chilly, especially when I smoke weed. I'm, like, the coldest person on earth.
1: Here's another one inspired by Tanner. No soap in the shower. He doesn't use soap. He uses, like, shampoo, but not soap. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> he just washes his body with water. <laughs> because soap is, like, can be, can be, like, toxic in some ways, I guess. <laughs> And we're gonna have him on to talk more about it
0: because we really,
2: I'm, we really just run under the bus. So we can't speak right now. I'm gonna say it's not our company. <laughs> so we just got um, done with this um, podcast about mental illness mm-hmm. and talking to your friends. When, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Listen, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I used to open the shower. Okay, guys. great. So you're you're. <laughs> cool. I'm
1: just kidding. Okay, go ahead. Um, bras,
2: no. <laughs> oh my god (laughs) oh my gosh please don't restrict these things yeah (laughs) it's a 50 50 chance for me
1: it just depends on what i'm wearing um all
2: right good
1: okay brushing your teeth in the shower um i have an electric toothbrush (laughs) (laughs)
2: like
1: that would not (laughs) end well for me no Uh, i know a lot of people who brush their teeth i don't do that but like who brush their teeth in the shower they're just like oh yeah i just keep my toothbrush in there i'm like
2: that's you know what's weird like I get so freaked out and like grossed out when I brush my teeth with hot water. Ew! Like, I don't like that either. I don't know it's it's the worst. I I don't understand why, like, but that's yeah. how it would be in the shower too. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I that's... love brushing my teeth in the shower.
2: Ew! You did the best clean.
1: Ew! <laughs> <laughs> so face... What does that even mean? You just come out and you're like, everything's done. Everything's everything's clean. I guess. Okay, go ahead.
2: Ah, uh, Disney. No. (laughs) I'm sorry. That was like such an instant reaction. Um, I'm not a huge fan. No. Yeah. Great. Yeah, Love that for us. Yeah. I I respect other people. Oh. Well. Well,
0: that's where you and I differ.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's like one thing. It's like one thing you're like, oh,
1: yeah, Disney, like it's fine. And then there's people who like go to Disney World every single day.
2: Yeah. Yeah. In well, full offense. Yeah. Before Paige's <laughs> wedding, the night before, we watched the Wizards of Waverly Place movie. Oh, yeah. I've um, and up. Disney Channel. Now now we're talking. Okay. That's a different story. Yeah. That's a different. Story. Yeah, sure. yeah, that's Pixar, a diff- yeah.
0: Pixar. I love Pixar. Sure. But no. I just don't. I think it's more Disney people. That I really can't stand. <laughs> you mean like the people that run the company? No, the people that go to a park. Oh, every Disney year. people who like get proposed to yeah. at Disney World. Oh. That type of thing. Like I knew someone who <laughs> was going to a Disney wedding and no. she was so excited, oh. but it was canceled for quarantine. I'm like, it seems like he dodged a bullet. I don't oh, know. And I know, no. It's like
2: that for a reason. <laughs> I couldn't go to a Disney wedding because of the <laughs> pandemic. Bummer. I was so excited. Uh, we're going to get canceled for this. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Disney people are coming for us. Um, I just hung out with a friend last night who eats apples bottom to top. He starts at the bottom of the apple and he eats the core. He just like dumps out the seeds when he gets to that part and then he eats it to the top. He said, when you eat an apple around, which is like the normal way to eat it, you waste 30% of the apple. That's what he told me.
2: Okay. (laughs) You're like, like,
1: I don't do it, but
2: (laughs) not for me. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know how that works but I to like, do it I really really like the idea of like not wasting food right
1: okay that's cool okay so maybe you don't do it yet but you'd be open to trying it yeah okay. I'm gonna do it yeah. as soon
2: as this ends <laughs> I like need to try I don't I really don't get it but I'm gonna try you don't like understand at the, the very, very end yeah she's like
1: holding it by like the stem so you know the stems at the top and then the bottom has like that kind of like there's like a yeah. little part on so the bottom. So what does he do
0: with that? He, he eats, eats that? that
1: part. He's like, it's just a plant. Like you can just eat it. And I was like, okay. So he starts at the bottom. Yeah, where but there's just because
0: like- it's a plant doesn't mean you should eat it.
1: Ayahuasca well, is just
2: a plant. Right. And I'm like, mm, it's we fine. It. It's just a plant. It's, it's fine. Eat it. You can eat it.
1: Okay. Do you have any more? Uh, <laughs> I don't
0: <know. laughs> Don't look at mine. <laughs> Nicole's the <a> cheater. <laughs> I'm just. I'm so <laughs> <laughs> Soup. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Please, go ahead. No.
2: I'm, I'm ready for it. It
0: was actually another cereal one.
2: Oh, it is? Yeah, it's
0: like, do you think soup or cereal is a soup?
2: Okay, the way that you guys both looked at me <laughs> just then, like I had just committed a murder or something. Um,
1: <laughs> well, do you?
0: Why are these all cereal based? She doesn't even like cereal. I, mean, I know. She only really likes dry it's cereal. cereal. Okay, we're moving away we're moving from the
2: way we're the road. Road. my my kind of cereal is Not soup.
1: Um, okay, the last one I have is oh, I don't even know which one of these to do. Which one do you think? <laughs> <laughs> the balloon one. What is that, dude? What is what? <laughs> Baloney? Yes. You don't know what that is? <laughs> No, but what I'm saying
0: is, what is that? Why is that on there? Why are you eat plain my, bologna when I'm drunk? I asked
1: if there's anything weird that she does, and she was like, I eat plain bologna when I'm drunk. It's weird to eat bologna at all, I think.
2: I, I like bologna. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to. Okay. <laughs> bologna is always <laughs> cup of tea. Take notes, um, people. Yeah. I wouldn't say that's, like, my favorite drunk snack ever. But I don't think like I've okay. bought favorite drunk ever. Thing. Yeah. My favorite drunk snack? Yeah, or? what is it? Weed. I don't know. <laughs> Did you say weed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: literally perfect. Yeah. And then what's your favorite high snack? Now that we've got the weed already. So we've got...
0: Because I'm drunk guessing it's weed. not alcohol because that yeah, is no. the opposite of no. what I want
2: yeah. i really love sour candy. Ooh, I will eat yes. sour candy until my like tongue is bleeding. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. That awesome. sounds so good. Okay. That one's
1: definitely mine. Okay. I think we'll end it on that. Do you have one more?
2: Oh, you have one okay.
0: more? Hot dogs.
2: Hot dogs. <laughs> um, I'm going to say no, mm-hmm. but I do like a hot dog at like a baseball game.
0: Mm-hmm. Wait, okay. but bologna is just flat hot dogs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's honestly what it feels
2: like. I think it is. No, I think it is. Yeah, it I totally think, I think it's the same thing. So like unless you're at a ballpark. All right. Well,
1: we're <laughs> gonna, We're gonna wrap it up on that note. Um, you can find us at So Good So Far Podcast on Instagram,
0: and then you can find me at Nicole Pilgreen. You can find me at Jackie's Attic. And we just created a Twitter account. It has two followers right now. It's me and Nicole. So <laughs> come join the party on Truly there. Amazing. Um, yeah. So, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at So Good So Far pod. And um,
1: we will be back next week with an episode about food, food, holiday eating. I don't know. Let's just say, should we just say cooking? Fuck, I don't know. So, join us for that. <laughs> we will see you guys next week. It's been it's so, so good so good. far. Thanks, bye. guys. Bye.
0: What? Don't look okay. at these! <laughs> I'm so <sorry. laughs> Okay. I'm like Ready? Never. Okay. Pay attention to your own paper. Okay.